The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. The Writer Files is brought to you by Studio Press, the industry standard for premium WordPress themes and plugins. Built on the Genesis framework, Studio Press delivers state-of-the-art SEO tools, beautiful and fully responsive design, airtight security, instant updates, and much more. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 177,000 website owners trust Studio Press. Go to rainmaker.fm slash studiopress right now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. These are the writer files. A tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of working writers. From online content creators to fictionists, journalists, entrepreneurs, and beyond. I'm your host, Calvin Reed writer, podcaster, and mediophile. And each week, we'll discover how great writers keep the ink flowing, the cursor moving, and avoid writer's block. Gonzo essayist and creative nonfiction author Kent Russell dropped by this week to chat with me about his hybrid reportage on the margins of society and the process of a big city freelance journalist. Mr. Russell's critically lauded first collection, I Am Sorry to Think I Have Raised a Timid Son, was recently re-released in paperback, and Vanity Fair called it a ludicrously smart, tragicomic, man-on-the-edge memoir in essays. The acclaimed writer has been compared to David Foster Wallace by the New York Times Book Review, and his writing has appeared in the New York Times Magazine, Tin House, The New Republic, Harper's GQ, N Plus One, The Believer, and many others. Join us for this two-part interview, and if you missed the first half, you can find it at writerfiles.fm and in the show notes. In part two of the file, Kent and I discuss why procrastination is just as important as writing, how to break away from genre constraints, why a generous point of view can make you a better writer, the joys and tactile sensations of a mechanical keyboard, and how to tell this one story that only you can tell. <laughs> do you, are you someone who leans into procrastination or do you uh, kind of have some ways of beating it? Uh, you know, I uh, just mentioning like uh, the, the, the Catholic upbringing, I'm always kind of flooded with guilt at all times. I'm just <laughs> kind of uh, I'm on like a low boil with guilt always. So procrastination really is never too much of a problem with me. It's 
you know, it's sometimes it can kind of be the opposite where, uh, you know, you, people can kind of talk a lot about downtime and how actually downtime is just as essential, you know, for kind of the writing process or any kind of creative endeavor or field or whatever that, you know, you need to kind of reset your brain and give it kind of room to play and all this, this and the other thing. Whereas if I try to, you know, like read a, read like a fantasy novel with like an embossed cover, like my brain will just be like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like, why aren't you reading like, you know, pale fire or something like that. Like, why aren't you, you know, reading, uh, you know, auto ranks art, you know, art and the artist or whatever. So I kind of have a hard time, uh, just letting, letting myself be like, you know, eight o'clock at night, but yeah, procrastination. I kind of, I kind of wish, wish that were my problem. Mm -hmm. Well, how does Kent Russell unplug at the end of a, a long writing day? Long writing day. Uh, there, I guess there's like uh, two two paths. Uh, one is I just love a bath, like I, I love a like a like a like a warm soak at the end of the day, and uh, I'll just uh, you know read in there uh, in the bathtub, or uh, a kind of thing that I've never kind of gotten rid of ever since I was a younger guy. You know, even when I was like a eight to ten year old child, is uh, I used to be pretty heavy into video games when I was a kid. And I, you know, that's kind of all falling away, except kind of when I need to to find like a sober way to kind of like lose my mind, you know, to kind of just for a, for like an hour, maybe like an hour and a half, kind of completely uh, exit my body. I will play the soccer game FIFA online against like eleven year old Iberian boys who then just. <laughs> throttle me mercilessly uh you know and i can like hear them through their headsets just cackling at me while like you know their mother screams at them to come eat dinner or whatever it is sure. but yeah i'll play i'll play three games of fifa online and depending if i do well i'll feel nice and relaxed if i get beat five to nothing three times by small boys i'll just be pissed off and it, <laughs> it will all been for naught yeah those iberians really know how to yeah, uh, know what they're doing. kick some butt on the FIFA. Um, well, we're running up against 30 minutes. I, if you want to keep going, I'm happy to keep yeah, asking yeah. you questions if you're open to it. Yeah, no um, we'll do, uh, do some more. I'll try to just not be as verbose. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm enjoying it. You, we can go as long as you want. Um, one word answers. We <laughs> no, no. Um, so Kent, I'd love to pick your brain about your creativity and, uh, get a little bit into that. Can you personally define creativity? Like one, the one way that I've always kind of thought about it, uh, you know, I, I kind of fully subscribe to the idea that, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing new under the sun kind of thing, you know, whatever, whatever I think of as like super creative or like, well, I'm like, you know, reinventing the wheel here. You know, there's probably somebody, you know, like some Greek name, the elder, you know, and like BC, whatever, probably already came up with that in like a dramatic form before me. So I, I, I don't necessarily, you know, think like that creativity is like some kind of total, you know, creation ex nihilo kind of thing. I had a, a grammar teacher when I was in middle school and Miss Timmis, and what she used to say is that like, uh, you, you can't break the rules meaningfully unless you know what the rules are, you know? And so for me, I guess, uh, and what I've always kind of 
try to keep in mind is that what I what I tend to regard as creative, at least when I do it, is like when I when I know that I want to write in a certain kind of genre or you know kind of a, a history or like you know there's kind of a form of how to do this, and I know that there are certain kind of you know genre constraints or certain kind of dramatic uh, twists and turns that such a work kind of touches on or you know certain kind of bells that you got to ring be it like uh, in the book you know i i write about a guy who's on a desert island so obviously i have to take a lot of like the robinson crusoe kind of treasure island swiss family robinson like i need to kind of interrogate that history and that kind of uh you know that kind of a book or that kind of a work uh in order to kind of put a different kind of spin on it or what i would think is kind of a creative way of looking at that hmm. you know and so uh for me again this is definitely not a definition at all but yeah like uh i need to you know it's it's knowing what you're trying to do and knowing kind of the bones of it or the rules of it and then figuring out if you want to subvert it how you want to subvert it or add to it you know, or just how you want your voice to be added to this kind of, you know, chorus that's been like singing in this certain way for years and years. Hmm. So, uh, well, actually, uh, I remember I've, I listened to several of these beforehand and I, I remember this question. So I went to make sure and write down this quote so I wouldn't just be swimming entirely <laughs> now that I see it in front of me. Uh, it's from C.S. Lewis. And it is, uh, no man who values originality will ever be original, but try to tell the truth as you see it. Try to do any bit of work as well as it can be done for the work's sake. And what men call originality will come unsought. Mm. So, yeah, uh, a combination of knowing uh, the, w like what I'm trying to do and then just, you know, writing it as truthfully as I can, I guess. Mm. I like that a lot. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. 
It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. So uh, do you have a creative muse at the moment? I, for some reason, like uh, if I can't, you know, I, I've drank like 20 cups of coffee during the course of the day. And then when I, it's time to like lay me down at night, you know, obviously I'm just like twitching and blinking uncontrollably. <laughs> so I'll like take a melatonin, you know, melatonin pill. And for some reason, like I tried looking this up, apparently it's some kind of like theta brain waves or whatever you call it. But there comes a moment after I like take a melatonin pill where I'm like in some kind of like weird uh, current, like I'm caught in the river of like all these like associative ideas and stuff hmm. like that. So for some reason, I'm not, you know, saying everybody should go out and just house a handful of melatonin pills and, <laughs> and see what happens. But like that's a, sometimes that's like right before I drift off to sleep, I keep I keep kind of a notebook next to my bed just for that reason, not like a lame dream journal or anything. But mm. like right before I fall asleep, sometimes I tend to have like what seem at the time to be like really good ideas and maybe, you know, the light of day will prove those to be kind of stupid. But like I find that to be a really interesting time in terms of thinking about stuff I'm working on. Sure. But just just in general, also uh, like whatever whatever I read when I'm working on something and I'm really deep into something and I'm like kind of in love with the project and I'm certain that like this is going to be the greatest thing I ever wrote, you know, and like of course that happens with like your you hope that it happens with every next thing that you write. But whenever I'm in that kind of state, you know, like later in the day, like I was saying, even if I'm reading, you know, like, uh, like, you know, Paradise Lost or something, something real dense that may seem like it has nothing to do with what I'm working on. Like I'm, I'm in that zone where, you know, it's kind of like being in love where it seems like everything I see or read or hear or watch, like has some kind of relation to like the thing that I'm like currently in love with, like that piece that I'm working on. So it seems like every little, you know, little snippet of the book or like the thing from the podcast I listen to, or, you know, uh, some part of a song, some like, some of those, you know, lyrics when I'm dancing in the morning, I'll be like, of course, of course that fits into what I'm working on. It's like it all gets kind of caught in the gravity of this thing, you know? So uh, I guess it's a combination of just, uh, you know, my, it's like that emoji where the, the eyes turn into hearts. It's like whatever I'm looking at is, uh, yeah, anyway. It's a great emoji too. Yeah. Do you have, uh, you mentioned podcasts. Do you have some, uh, a couple of favorite podcasts that you're, you're listening to right now? I mean the uh, the one that like the the long form podcast. Obviously, I have to I have to keep up with just because that's kind of kind of my field. You know, I'll, uh, I'll whenever I feel like uh, you know I can't just survive on Nutella and Twizzlers alone, and I've just decided it's time to you know like go several blocks to like the Planet Fitness gym and then just like mash out on a, a elliptical machine. You know, in a very slow and sad manner. I like throw on the, the long form podcast and, you know, of course it, it seems like everybody who's on that podcast is a genius. who has got it all figured out and I don't, but yeah, I, I'm actually not too good, too good with podcasts. Mostly like when I'm doing that, uh, yeah, it, everything just makes me feel like I'm, uh, talking about as we were those aha moments. It feels like mm -hmm. when I hear beautiful, dulcet, toned, People such as yourself, Kelton, just talking about stuff. <laughs> it makes me feel like, well, I'm a fool. Like I just don't know what I'm talking about. So for my own my own benefit, I have to, you know, like limit my podcast listening. Sure, sure. Um, we only have so many hours yeah. in the day. Um, <laughs> well, 
What do you think makes a writer truly great? Oof. Ugh. Um, let's see. I mean, for me, obviously, like, uh, I, I kind of really wish I could write fiction uh, just because, to me, what I've always kind of thought or valued very highly is, you know, kind of the negative capability, the ability to, to kind of understand life or experience from somebody else's point of view and kind of render that truthfully and honestly and, you know, justly and all the rest of it. Uh, and it kind of, you know, like that, that kind of empathy and that kind of openness to other perspectives, I always thought, you know, was truly the mark of not just like a great human being, but a great writer, you know, and you, you, you get a lot of that with, uh, you know, the great novelists, Tolstoy and all the rest of it. But, you know, it's, it makes me think of, uh, it was like Alfred Kazin, you know, kind of criticizing H.L. Mencken, who was, you know, kind of like an acerbic newspaper man, critic. And, you know, he said what made him like less of a good writer is that Mencken had a fatal want of generosity. <laughs> so I feel like, uh, you know, that, that to me is, is just kind of a, you know, a, a generous, but a just and a truthful kind of, you know, adherence to other people's perspectives or point of point of view and being able to kind of capture that in a, you know, on, in the line level or, you know, in, in just a truly artistic way, I guess would be uh, what makes the writer great to me. Do you have a couple uh, authors that you're just kind of stuck on right now, either online or sitting on your mm. nightstand? Yeah. Um, yeah, sitting on my nightstand is like a four foot stack of stuff <laughs> that I've been waiting to get to. Yeah. Uh, I do like, uh, in the mornings I found like in the past couple of years, I found myself doing this where, you know, I used to, you know, get up and you try to read, read over some of like your favorite things to kind of feel that little, uh, you know, frizzin or that like little, uh, little, you know, goose, goose flesh of the familiar made strange. And like, now that you've got like energized that like what's possible, you're ready to go write your own stuff. And I used to do that a lot, uh, until like, I, I realized that, Hey, rather than like reading like this essay collection again and again, why don't I just like read some poetry in the morning? Because mm. that's like, you know, the, uh, a form made to be like the transmission of, you know, those like moments, of total beautiful truth, just like, you know, exploding in front of your face like fireworks. So I've actually been lately just kind of reading a lot of like uh, poetry by like Tony Hoagland or Sharon Olds, Mary Carr, actually. I really like her poetry, mm -hmm. uh, like Seamus Haney and Auden. Uh, I don't read as many novels as I would like to lately. Uh, like the last one I read was Fiskadoro by Dennis Johnson. And that was again, cause I'm like reading a lot about Florida, but actually one thing that I've been reading and it's kind of like blowing my mind right now is uh, Don Quixote. I had never read that before. Hmm. And I like, haven't laughed this hard at a book in a really long time. And it's kind of, kind of, you know, I can't believe that like a book that's well, like 400 years old, can just mm -hmm. be this true. Like people are puking in each other's faces and having fist fights in the dark and you know, it's just fantastic. Yeah. Do you have, other than that great C.S. Lewis quote, do you have another one kind of just hanging over your, your desk there? When I was like preparing the, the aforementioned book for publication and I was, you know, thinking about like what's going to be my like epigram or whatever, I had like a running file of them and I like keep them on my desktop. And actually like the one 
I guess it's not even like a writing quote that's like applicable to anybody else, but it just kind of seemed to capture to me like what I end up getting drawn to like as a nonfiction writer, like what kinds of subjects kind of tickle my fancy. Uh, it always ends up being like, you know, either things everybody hates, like uh, the insane clown posse, for instance, or even like ice hockey. Like I love ice hockey, but I know everybody hates ice hockey. Uh, you know, I just kind of, I tend to gravitate towards the things that people kind of poop on just to see like, what what's the deal? Why does everybody hate you? And so uh, this quote from the, the philosopher E.M. Searin uh, kind of was one that I thought about including uh, just about kind of what he is attracted to and what I myself am attracted to. And it is uh, my weakness for doomed dynasties, for decaying empires, for the Montezumas of forever, for those who believe in signs, for the lacerated and pursued, for the drunkards of the ineluctable, for the jeopardized, the devoured, for all who are waiting for their executioner. So yeah, that's a, it's a little dark, but that's a, <laughs> where I tend to find myself looking for ideas. Yeah, I think I need to get that in front of me to truly, truly digest the um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's immensity of that one. Yeah, that one's not going up on Goodreads anytime soon. <laughs> I don't think. Uh, yeah. um, that's a good one. Well, I got a couple fun ones for you if you All if right. you want to stick stick with it. Um, are you a paper or an ebook guy primarily? Ah, uh, you know, it, it's got to be paper for me, especially if uh, you know it's something that I'm really want to pay attention to, you know, what's happening on the line level, like what's, you know, going on, how a thing is constructed, uh, you know, just that I need like both that tactile feel and, you know, just, you can't like, uh, hit the home button on a book, you know, like I can't mm. hit the home button and check my Gmail for the 80,000th time today. <laughs> uh, and I feel like, you know, I've nothing necessarily against reading on like an iPad or a Kindle, like I read, you know, a, a whole ton on my iPad, uh, especially like, you know, other long form stories or, you know, blog posts or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, when it, when it comes to like a book or, or, you know, like something like that, it's, I gotta, I gotta have the paper. Okay. Well, you've mentioned a few greats, but do you have a favorite literary character of all Oof. time? Yeah, I, uh, I mean, they normally, like, I, I love, you know, like, uh, like your Bildungsroman, kind of like Huck Finn or like Augie March. You know, that's always like when I was uh, in high school, I thought just Huck Finn was the greatest. Uh, but, you know, like lately I was, you know, like any of the Karamazov brothers, like I definitely uh, love and identify with, you know, or like sticking with Russians. You want to talk about like Ivan Illich or like the underground man and all that. Like I said, it just if it wasn't obvious, I also studied uh, Russian in addition mm -hmm. to journalism when I was in college. So you know all all the all the great Russian characters I'm way into. Uh, obviously, like Don Quixote is is coming up fast for me. But actually, uh, when I you know heard you ask this question to other guests, it got me to think. Like for some reason, over the summer, I read all four of John Updike's Rabbit novels, hmm. which uh, have kind of like I feel like. Updike himself has fallen out of fashion or favor or whatever, but I found uh, Rabbit Angstrom to be really compelling, mm -hmm. you know, as just like this kind of classic, uh, you know, turn or middle of the century, middle of the last century, kind of giant, jolly, you know, white guy and, you know, his trials and travails. I just found all that uh, 
really endearing. So right now, I'm sure it'll change in like a week. I'm going to say <laughs> rabbit angstrom. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Um, if you had to choose one author from any era for an all-expense-paid dinner to your favorite spot, who do you think you would take and where would you take them? Oh, um, I'm like a... As I mentioned with the, uh, the Nutella and the Twizzlers, mine is not the most refined palate. Um, <laughs> I would, I guess the guests, uh, so I guess, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to take this personal White Castle. So I'm going to take them, let's just say there's a bar nearby me that I like to go to with friends. It's called Charlene's. It's uh, in Brooklyn. I will take St. Augustine to Charlene's. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, he, uh, I, I love uh, his confessions, if only because, like, that is the blueprint, you know, for, like, all our confessional memoirs nowadays. Yeah. It's, like, where do you go if you want to, like, read, you know, the granddaddy of all the memoirs? And so, yeah, I would, uh, you know, he's, he's got the great line, which is, you know, I'm sure I'm slaughtering it, but it's, like, you know, Lord, make me chaste and continence, just not yet, you know? And so... <laughs> If you read the confessions, he used to be kind of like a big drinker and a you know carouser and philanderer. So so long as this is like completely hypothetical, I'm taking Saint Augustine to Charlene's and I'm gonna make him drink uh, beer shot combos with me and just see if we can't get him back to his old uh, kind of uh, you know the bad old days before yeah. he was a saint. So, well, um, speaking of uh, your desire to write fiction. I think you've just written the beginning of a fantastic short story. <laughs> yeah, uh, just propping elbows, billing up to the bar. <laughs> there you go. That's Charlene's. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to be a fly on the wall for that one. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, do you have any writer's fetishes um, there in your uh, apartment in Brooklyn? Do you have any collection, weird collections or vintage... Uh, paraphernalia hanging around uh, you know the i guess the nearest thing to that that i've gotten i like ordered it uh, a few months ago and i like cannot recommend it highly enough is like i'm such a such a nerd about like the tactile feel of things that uh, i ordered like a ridiculously expensive computer keyboard mm. like a like a mechanical keyboard like yeah. i don't know if, like listen to that clickiness oh my god <laughs> Uh, you know, it's like uh, like the whenever you see on like a TV show or a movie, and there's like a, somebody working the desk at an airline, yeah. telling you that they they can't find any more uh, you know any more reservations for you, and they're doing that. <laughs> this thing feels phenomenal. Everybody, run out and get you a mechanical keyboard. It feels great. 
have to track one of those down. Yeah. All right. So can you offer any advice to fellow writers on how to keep the ink flowing and the cursor moving? Uh, you know, it's, I guess it goes back to that, uh, the, the kind of like writer's block thing where, you know, I, I sometimes, uh, do like a seminar at Columbia for creative nonfiction for the undergraduates. And, you know, I, you know, I tell them number one to just like write, write every day, just type it up as it comes out, worry about if it's good or if it makes sense later when like you edit it, uh, when, you know, you rewrite all the time. But, uh, you know, in terms of if you're like a, if you want to write like creative nonfiction or memoir or, uh, you know, you want to write like a more personal essay. When I tell the, the students is, you know, we all, we hear like, write what you know a million times. And we also, you know, that, that can sometimes feel as though like kind of limiting or like, you know, I can't go and write about like snake venom or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, that's neither here nor there, but like, like I was mentioning before, the first story that I wrote was this kind of intensely personal thing. And more than that, it felt like uh, a story that, you know, only I knew necessarily, you know, like it was something that I'm sure has happened to other people, but it was something that I knew that I could, it was, you know, unique-ish to me and was something that I could write with complete authority and knew that, you know, I could completely own this narrative. So I guess what I would say to somebody who wants to write like more of a memoir or personal essays, just to think about like, what is the one story that you know nobody else can tell, at least, you know, not one or like a million people or whatever it is, and to just kind of go, go deep and go far with that with that narrative and just, uh, you know, that like, like as what happened to me, it was just one story kind of got the ball rolling and that's, uh, you know, that's, that's the, the, the kind of, rather than writing, you know, maybe a, a bunch of blog posts or things that you don't necessarily know too much about or invested in, just kind of push all your chips forward on that one story that you know you can tell. Wow. Yeah, that's great, great advice. And I am sorry to think I have raised a timid son by Kent Russell, um, recently re-released in paperback. Find it out there. It's a fantastic, fantastic uh, collection of essays and reportage that is truly unique and some really fantastic writing. So kudos on uh, the book. It's, it's really nice. Thank you very much, Kelton. And uh, where can fellow scribes connect with you out there? Oh, this is a contentious issue. Uh, <laughs> I I have kind of uh, recused myself from all social media. I have, you know, used to have like a Facebook profile and all that. Now I have just become a hermit, just a hermit entirely. No Twitter, no Instagram, no Snapchat. Uh, if, if anybody wants to holler at me, you can... Uh, it's kentjrussell at gmail.com. But other than that, I am off the grid, friend. It's, <laughs> it's hard enough being just a human being for me. It, it would be doubly, doubly impossible if I had to have like a digital avatar I also had to keep track of. So <laughs> also, you know, like I'm, I'm, ordering, I'm ordering MacBooks here. I don't know, like, if the next night I'm just exposing, like, the, the tiny coal of my heart at 3 a.m. via Twitter. So it's better better not to do that. <laughs> okay. Well, Kent, thank you so much for taking time to share uh, a little bit about your process with us. It's been a, a true pleasure. So best of luck on uh, your endeavors. Yeah, my, the pleasure is mine, Kelton. Thanks for having me. Cheers. All right. Take care. Thanks so much for joining me for this half of a tour through the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes to help other writers find us. 
For more episodes or to just leave a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Calvin Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Thank you.